welcome to the Geeks in Suits podcast, a sort of sad edition. It's impromptu. It is also impromptu. I'm here with my brother, Ben Gerber. What's up, people? The Cavs just lost game four. Um, For many reasons of the NBA Finals to the Golden State Warriors. And we were just kind of spitballing back and forth, and I thought we both made some really good points. So here we are podcasting. Um, just kind of spitballing here, if nothing else. Um, but Ben, let's get right down to brass tacks. The Warriors are just a better NBA team than the Cavaliers in this. That's the, you know, we can dissect the games all we want, but when it comes down to it, Golden State's just better. Yeah. And that, that, that no one wants to admit it. No one here in Cleveland wants to admit that Golden State is simply better. I but think, they are. I think you and me have a little angst about that. <laughs> um, yeah, we obviously live in Ohio. We obviously have a lot of friends in Ohio. And we're not trying to, I guess, put ourselves on a pedestal or anything. But no. I think sometimes we see the forest amongst the trees more than other people who are clearly just like rooting for a Cleveland team. Yeah. And we're just genuine fans of basketball all around. I mean, mm-hmm. we have favorite players that are not Cavs players. We have favorite teams that aren't Cavs teams. We've, you know, watched it since we were young. And we just appreciate really good basketball. And we've kind of harped on this on Twitter all year and told people to shut up at different <laughs> times. Yeah. But they're historically good. I mean, you can have a fun debate about where they rank amongst the greatest teams of all time, but they are one of the greatest teams of all time. They're they're going to win game five. Uh, if they don't win game five, they're going to win game six. I mean, there, there's no way they're not winning the finals at this point. It's never happened. Teams are 0-32 in the finals when they're down 3-1. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, that's all you can really say at this point. And you can be critical about the Cavs because there's clearly things they could have done to make this a more competitive series or win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say the same thing about OKC. They were up three to two, and had, they were up three one, and had plenty of opportunities to put them away, and they just didn't. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean every team that's won a championship has gotten lucky, and Golden State did, and that's okay. That's that's part of being a good team. That's sports for you. That's sports yeah and we we know that better than anyone yeah as cleveland fans yeah absolutely and i want to bring up uh a lot of hate has been started to been thrown steph's way ever since he got quote-unquote unanimous mvp people have really that's really rubbed people the wrong way yeah the fact that there was not one other vote for someone right yeah and i'm not saying steph should be the mvp because i don't think he is the most valuable player in the league mm-hmm. for the season, yeah, I mean he's the best player on a historically good team. I can see why people vote for him MVP. Is he the and best? That's that's what the MVP is though, because you yeah. assess the MVP before the postseason's over. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point is is this: is that you take Steph away from Golden State, they've played games without him all year. Yeah, and they have they've won most of them, pretty much all of them. I mean, that's what they're really good you, without Steph. That's what you have to do when you win 73 games. That Yeah, that's it. And so that's just how good this roster is. Like, From you can take their best player away, and they'd still be, like, 
one of the three best teams in the West. And you can, I think that's why you can say Golden State is up 3-1 too, is because Steph and somewhat to a degree Clay have not played near their best basketball in the finals, yet their team's up 3-1 to one because they have a good team from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. They have tons of role players that have stepped up and contribute on nights where they're needed. Yeah. And they won games one and games two, game one and two, with their two best players not playing well at all. And yeah. they won both of them handily. Yeah. That's a sign. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how good the Warriors are. And I know I, it feels like I'm saying this a lot, but the Warriors are really freaking good. The one thing I want to point out, even though specifically Steph had bad games on those first two games, his presence out there keeps things open on offense for, for Golden State, though. Because the threat of Steph getting hot at any point, anytime, anywhere, like you, you, you still don't want him to shoot a three. You still don't want him to even like get loose and get space to, to pull a three from God knows how far away. And that threat keeps the defense honest so often that it creates other opportunities for the Warriors on offense to score. Right, and... Even when he's not scoring. To that credit, too, go back to, I think it was game four of the Portland series this year. It was Steph's first game back of the series. Yeah. He had sprained his knee or whatever. He didn't shoot well. He came off the bench to start the game. He didn't shoot well the whole time. Sean Livingston gets thrown out, so Steph has to play more minutes than they wanted to. Right. And then, all of a sudden, they go to overtime, and Steph gets hot. Yep. Throws up, like, 17 in overtime, and that's just Steph. Yeah. Yep. He gets. He, it one, just happens. All it takes is one. It's it, like take five games in any I, any given scenario. In five games, there's going to be one game where Steph goes crazy. Mm-hmm. There could be one game where Clay goes crazy. There's another game where Draymond Green has a triple double. Right. That's three wins for you. That's just that's their capability. I mean that's. That's how they operate, right. and it's it's like clockwork at this point. And now. we just had the Steph game, and we had two Warriors bench wins the game by themselves games. Plus, Draymond Green was pretty dominant in that second game. Right. So, it, yeah. That's I mean, just... That's, it, it, and when it's so dependable, like, I think I haven't... You remember how MJ was, and how he was just dependable every night to get 30 to 35 points and mm-hmm. and like no one ever has been yeah like in the modern just, nba at least in the modern nba this warriors team in the same way you you could depend on them to have some kind of ridiculous stat line like steph making and averaging five threes every game mm-hmm. or draymond putting up a triple double or something there, there was always something ridiculous you could depend on happening in, in these Warriors games this year. Right. And I want to steer clear from the, the whole greatest team ever uh, comparison because... We're not, we're not here to talk about that. No, we're, we aren't. We're here, here to, to say they're that. one of the best. We're not going like, right. to compare and contrast. Historically, teams. they're probably one of the five or six best teams of I'd all time. I'd say five, yeah. Probably top five. But it's an irrelevant discussion. It's fun to discuss just in casual. Yeah. But it's another thing trying to just discredit them by saying MJ's Bulls or the 86 Celtics, Celtics or Showtime yeah. Lakers would just simply beat them. Right, because 
I, see, people don't understand. This isn't 2K where you throw two <laughs> games in, or two two teams into a game and they're playing each other. Right. Like that's not conceptually what people are saying when they're comparing teams. You compare the eras. You compare what the game style was like and everything. And mm-hmm. for their era, they're the best team and will probably be the best team again for another twenty years. Right. And it's always it's always an iffy question coming down to like which teams would. You know, like, so Showtime Lakers, they played in an era where you shot maybe, like, five threes a game. Right. It was, the the, three their stick was, was fast break and moving the ball quickly and up right. and down the floor. Now, if you throw that Lakers team in a time machine and they develop in this era yeah. and they're shooting threes a lot more, Who's to say, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows what, how good they could have been? Like, imagine if Magic Johnson was a reliable three-point shooter yet. Right. I mean, you just never know. And that's why it's so hard to compare generations. Right, because it's not, you just mentioned, it's not picking up a team, throwing them into a time machine, and then putting them on the floor right then and there. Right. You you, you, you talked about conceptually developing players right. and what they become in a different decade of, of this sport. Yeah. And before we quit this, I just want to, I, I just want to kind of stomp on anyone else who might discredit this. Because I have watched several games from the 80s with yeah. 80 Celtics, 80s Lakers. I've watched, the game was just different. I've watched you download them all. <laughs> yes. I mean, the game was just different. You don't yeah. understand. Oh, it's drastic. Most of the offense... Do you realize there wasn't a three-point line at one point? There wasn't. <laughs> I mean, most of the offense took place from 15 feet and in. Yeah. I mean, like, the Lakers, they throw it into Jabbar yeah. on the block, mm-hmm. okay? AC Green would spot up on the opposite elbow, 15-footer. That was, I mean, now nowadays, let's say it's the Cavs, you throw it into Kevin Love, Channing Frye is on the opposite wing. Right. It's spaced out, yeah, you know? And it's so much wider. People don't understand that, and I guarantee you most people listening to this have not watched games from that era. No. At least not the way I have. No. So. Good tooting your own horn. Yes. No. I'm tooting my own no, horn and discrediting I, all of you. I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. So, uh... Let's get to the Cavs, though. Okay. Because I have brought up my feelings, and I feel like you agree. Yeah. The biggest mismatch of this entire series so far has not been any personnel on the floor or anything like that. It has mm. been Steve Kerr simply outcoaching Tyron Lue. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I think besides all that, the Warriors are still the better team. But. Yeah. But that has been the biggest That's why games gap. one and two were blowouts. Yeah. And that's why game four ultimately went to the Warriors. Right. Because Tyron Lue has had no... This is the fifth time this playoffs he has gotten wickedly outcoached and cost the, the game for his team because of it. Right. What, what style do the Warriors play? Small ball, upbeat, lots fast. of threes, very fast. Really fast. With a bunch of wing players or swingmen like Igadawa, Harrison Barnes, who get up and down the court really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And they're really good at it. Like, historically good. Again, right. they're the best at doing that. No one's going to beat them doing it that way. Right. So, why is Ty Lu trying to beat them that way? Right. He keeps talking about picking up the pace, playing faster. Like, 28 teams in the league, when you play against them, 
you're going to be able to probably have success against them doing that. Not the Warriors. Not the 29th team, who's the Warriors, though. And I'm You can bring... do that against any other team. Right, and I'm going to bring something back to, to once again prove just how good this Warriors team is. You can try and out-offense the Warriors. You're not going to do it. No. But even if you do, the difference between the Warriors and a team like Cleveland. So Cleveland's best offensive lineup is going to be Kyrie, LeBron, JR, probably Kevin Love, and then throw in Tristan, Tristan or RJ or whoever. Yeah. But someone stretch out the floor. That is Cleveland's best offensive mm-hmm. team. The Warriors, they do their lineup of depth with the depth, which is Steph, Clay, Andre, Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green. That's center. Yeah. The thing about that Warriors lineup, they can all shoot the three, they can all space out, and they can all defend. The craziest thing is that death lineup has also started to become interchangeable with like one or two other players stepping in instead. Right. But it's it's but I mean that's my, the most basic version. Right. But my, I mean my credit is so like the Cavs best lineup against that death lineup, you have to have Kevin Love to match it offensively. Kevin Love's an offensive liability. Defensive liability. Or, sorry, defensive liability. Tristan on the other end, yeah, he can play defense, but he's an offensive liability. Yeah. And that's every single player on that death lineup for the Warriors is defensively a player. Exactly. Even defensively Steph. and offensively capable. Now Steph Steph's not a great defensive player. He has his moments. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not saying like he's injured and it's an excuse or whatever, but he's clearly not hundred percent and he doesn't have the same lateral root movement. Right. But then that's just a matter of fact. But he is exposed and we've exposed him somewhat right. in the finals. Like yeah. we, we went at him in game three and we knew that he, he wasn't going to be able to keep up. And even in game four, he did not look good initially. Right, but they can always hide him on someone like JR, who can go off in his certain games, right. but not consistently. This is JR the... is primarily a spot-up shooter. He's not going to the rim. This is the problem, too, is you can hide one defensive liability. You can't hide two. Mm-hmm. And not only is Kevin Love a defensive liability, but Kyrie Irving is also a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. He's he's had plays, he's like had his moments and everything. But if you watch those first two games, he looked shook every time Steph brought the ball down the floor. Mm-hmm. And Steph didn't even and, have a good game. And you can you can hide one defensive liability. And, and assign them to, like you said, a type of player who might not have the ability to go off every night or is streaky or something like that. But if you're trying to hide two, you're done. The game's already over, especially if you play the Warriors. You you just can't do that. Right. It's, it's just it's impossible because there's so many different... There's only specific players that they can guard, and the other players have to try and account for that while they're also guarding their man and also helping out, and it's just mentally too much to try and handle. And by the time you figure it out, they've probably already scored. Right. And so this brings us back to Ty Lue being outcoached. Right. And from the moment Ty Lue took over this team, he's been where Blatt kind of was more defensive Ty Lue flipped the script and said, we're going to run. focus on offense. And run a lot and more. And to his, to his credit, that's where the game is going, especially with this Warriors team. Offense right. is starting to trump defense more and more. But you can't out-offense one of the greatest offensive teams of all time. Right. You have to defend and try and shut them down. Unless you're just going to try and hope that they don't hit shots for a very extended period of time over... 
multiple right. games. And that's why the Cavs last year were able to take two from the Warriors. Those two games, they played, you know, physical, uptight defense yeah. and made yeah. the Warriors uncomfortable. And they were they were ill-equipped from the start to even play that Warriors team just because of their limited bench. Right. I mean, James Jones was a significant player off the bench, mm-hmm. and this year he hasn't touched the court all playoffs, basically, right. except for uh, garbage time. Right. And it's it's just again you can you can you can do it against all the other teams, but you're not going to out Golden State, Golden State. And I don't think his adjustments or his mentality going into this finals has been anything that that could put a dent in the Warriors. Right. I mean, it was surprising. Were you not surprised we came out and beat them by thirty at the last game? Like that was an anomaly. Now, yeah, that's not going to happen again. No, it's not. And the biggest the biggest issue with Ty Lue, and we both agree. His rotations have been so inconsistent. His rotations were horrible tonight. I'll tell Do you, you realize where... LeBron James played the whole half? Kyrie Irving played the whole half. Right, and I was just going to say, you want to know where they lost that game last night? Or, not tonight, last night. Tonight? Tonight. tonight last we night just when people hear it. it, but yeah. LeBron James and Kyrie were gassed midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. They played so many minutes. LeBron played 45 minutes. Kyrie played 42. Yeah. You know, even... Even game three, LeBron played 36, 37 minutes. Kyrie played up there. Steph played yep. like 31. Mm-hmm. So did Clay. He's just, I don't know, and maybe they don't have the personnel, but his rotations, he's not getting LeBron rest. LeBron played huge minutes in game one and still in game two. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> That was the thing last year with LeBron. Like, he needed rest in the finals, and he wasn't able to get it, it because of the depletion. It was, bench. yeah, it was a, a special situation last year. But Lou had, has to be able to find, re- like, for example, when you said how much Kerr has been out coaching Lou, mm-hmm. Kerr was playing James McAdoo and Anderson Vergeau in, I wouldn't say significant minutes, but he was giving them a a hearty amount of minutes mm-hmm. in both the second and third quarters, I think. Mm-hmm. That was him trying to give his stars, just like giving them minutes to, of rest, finding it wherever he could and using whoever he could. Mm-hmm. Ty Lue didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I, I want to let, you know, put in, you know, a disclaimer somewhat. Obviously this was a much more important game for Cleveland to win than Golden State. And he was probably trying to push it, yeah. Right. And Tyloo, he was playing, a, you know, he had to be desperate. He had to have LeBron and Kyrie on the floor as much as possible. Steve Kerr was up 2-1, and he, he had the luxury of being able to try some things out. Right. But at the same time, you can't be playing LeBron 45 minutes a game. No, because this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, his le- like LeBron just doesn't have the legs for it anymore. No, and this is what happens is when you're tired, when you're playing basketball and you're tired, and you're mentally not as sharp, your legs aren't responding, and your body's just not as responding as fast as you want it to, you revert to not the greatest habits. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we have two, two of our best offensive players have horrible offensive habits when they're tired or they don't know where to go to or they don't know what to do. And that's Kyrie and LeBron reverting to iso ball. Mm-hmm. And it was so prominent tonight. Fourth 
fourth oh, quarter. Only the was... fourth quarter, really. Other than that, you know, it... we hung right with them. Fourth yeah. quarters were really manifested. You know, there were kind of there's always we... kind of spurts of it throughout yeah. the game. It there manifested. It was it was an atrocity in the fourth quarter. Up I mean, until up until that last minute or two, we had only scored eleven points the whole quarter until basically garbage time, time and we were fouling and they would let us get a layup every time. Right. It was we had taken a two point lead. They come down, they make a three, they make another two or three or whatever. They're yeah. up four now. That's when it started. Yeah. We started playing ISO ball. Golden State got and it was, hot then. Yeah. And that was the game right there. And it was because that's that's all Irving or LeBron could conjure up at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying just being tired is what creates that, but when you're on your heels and you're not sure what to go to, that's what those guys revert back to. Mm-hmm. So while it's frustrating to watch the individuals themselves and you can yell at the TV and say, hey, Kyrie, stop dribbling it 30 times. LeBron, stop holding the ball on the top of the key for 20 seconds and then taking a jump shot. That's not all their fault. Mm-hmm. Because Lou's not finding the minutes for them to, to rest and get a breather. Because that's you, you can't play them a whole half. You just right. can't. And maybe Cleveland just doesn't have the personnel to be able to do that. Well, and that's, that's when... That's very possible. And that's, that's where you get to the point where... That's where you get to the point where you ask, okay, well then, what personnel do we need to get rid of, right. or who do we need to get? Right. Uh, quickly. That's a whole we, other discussion, though. <laughs> before we get on to our uh, our last kind of debate. Discussion. We're not debating. Whatever. This not is the debate. First take. Discussion. Um. Yeah. This is not for sure. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Love. I feel like tonight might have just sealed his fate. I feel like he's getting shipped off. Well, and speaking of personnel, that's. Cut that part out where we said we're not talking about that. I guess we are talking about that. Um, yeah, I like I said before, I think you can't have two defensive liabilities in your best lineup, mm-hmm. best offensive lineup. And over these two years, it's clear that Kyrie is a more capable offensive player of creating his own shot. Um, it seems like at times we've pandered to love to get him touches in the post or get him looks and stuff. And I, I think it's probably Irving who's more likely going to stay in love. will try and trade away for something. Yeah. The only problem with trading love is I don't know what we'll get back for him. See, there's two sides to this. He's not looked anything like the super productive Minnesota Kevin Love. But... Some teams, I feel like, will look at how he's played the last two years and look at the way we've used him, and they'll say, well, he's being underutilized. He hasn't been the central part of the offense. We've got players that complement him better, and we can we can salvage this, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. One, so, one last question we'll regarding Kevin Love. If somehow, and I have no idea how it would work, if somehow a deal falls in place with Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony, no. do you like it? No. You say no. No, I say no. Okay. As much as I'd love to watch the Knicks self-implode. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I don't want Carmelo Anthony on okay. the Cavs. I was just curious, because I know I'd been thrown around. What uh, do you think? Um, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, if it arises, I think it's a better option than what Kevin Love has given us. Especially with where the game's going. But then again, Carmelo Anthony is just another guy to hog the ball, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't trust Carmelo Anthony to come here and play team basketball. Okay. Uh, I don't trust him to do that anywhere. <laughs> you could trade him to the Warriors. I wouldn't right. trust him to. Uh, okay. So finally, let's talk LeBron and LeBron's legacy. 
because he's going to lose this finals. He's going to be down. He's going to have a two and five record in NBA Finals. Yeah, but that should not diminish how great of a NBA player he has actually been. Yeah, um, agreed. In my mind, he's top five. It somewhere in the mix. Mm-hmm. Maybe I. He's somewhere. He's somewhere. I think he's above Larry Bird, and he might be past Magic, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in that mix. There's, there's still, there's still, pages in the book to be written too. Right. So and a lot know. of people will say no because he's two and five in the finals, just not getting it done. And I hate how much people just harp on that one set of numbers. Right. So let me, because all you're doing is comparing it to Jordan. That's all it's about. Right. In Jordan, that that's an anomaly. That's mm-hmm. never gonna happen again. Right. And so let me throw out one of one of my main arguments first off for LeBron's greatness. Okay. okay. So LeBron is 2 and 5, right? Yep. Look at another player who just retired, who was a defining player of this era of basketball, Kobe Bryant. 5 and 2 in NBA Finals. He's mm-hmm. got 5 rings. A lot of people would look at that and say Kobe's the better player. 5 rings simply because of the finals argument, yep. Here's here's my question. When it comes to LeBron and Kobe, how many finals did each player lose that they were supposed to win? Kobe lost one finals that he was supposed to win. 2004 Pistons. Yep. Lakers absolutely had a better team. Meltdown. LeBron's only lost one finals that he was supposed to win. 2011 Mavericks. Yep. I don't care what you say about any of the others. 07, he didn't have a chance. Nope. They, 2000, it was astounding that they were even there. Right. 2014, with a corpse that was D-Wade, a three-point shooting, only Chris, Chris Bosh. Bosh, and no other help against a, revenge, a revenge-hungry I Spurs team. I have the team. Tiger Spurs team, yeah. I mean, they were set up for failure. Last Honestly, year... Honestly, 2013, they shouldn't have won that either. No, they shouldn't have. Bill Simmons talks about that series all the time, as like nine times out of ten, the better team will win a series. That was the tenth time where the better team actually didn't win. Yeah, and it came down to a step back Ray Allen three point shot to save them in Game Six. I right. mean, that was that was as close as you could get to losing a series and still win it. Right, and that was a series LeBron shouldn't have won and did. Yeah. Okay, and then you know last year, don't even get me started. LeBron had nothing, mm-hmm. and LeBron this had year Matthew Delvadova and James Jones and yeah. Jr. Smith. And I mean this year he's playing a hit. A historically good team in the Warriors. Yeah. Again. Oh, they were clearly underdogs. So when you boil it down, I know, you know, so many people get wrapped up in, you know, performing in the NBA Finals and getting championship rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron averages 27, 9, and 8 in his career in the NBA the Finals. The dude, just like last year, is leading his team in every stat. Right. And another... another Almost every plus for Kobe. Okay, when you look at teammates, LeBron has done more with less than anyone in NBA history. Yeah, and you look at Kobe. Okay, I know LeBron played with D Wade, and D Wade's probably a top twenty-five player all time. Yeah, somewhere in that mix. Okay, give or take. Kobe played with Shaq, Mm -hmm. who's top twelve or thirteen all time. Yeah, and not only that, Shaq was in his prime. For all three of those years. 
for like all five or six of those. In which he was together. the alpha dog of the league. Yeah. He was by far the best player. And mm-hmm. Kobe was not the best player on those teams. No. LeBron had D Wade and he had Bosch. It's you, well, you know, it's debatable whether whether Kobe or Shaq was better. I think in some of those years, but Shaq based was, on the numbers. But Shaq was the one that was getting MVP noms. I mean, Shaq was putting up games where he'd have forty five and twenty two. Shaq, the more that I think about it, Shaq was also that dilemma with the refs that they didn't even know how to call right. fouls for him or against them because he was. Dude was just huge yeah. and so dominant and fast. At the but same again, time. to my point, LeBron Sorry, had D Wade, but D Wade was well past his prime. I wouldn't say well past the first like two and a half years. He was probably like at the tail end. See, I would argue 2011 was I think was the last year of his prime. 2012. It was really short. Oh, it was. Yeah. And, but you know, the even the two years that they won the finals with with D Wade, D Wade. Was not the D Wade of old. No. And Chris Bosch, like we said, kind of became He'd have a shell his of moments. himself. Yeah. But Bosch was very dependable, but it wasn't. He wasn't putting up incredibly astounding stats. Right. And LeBron, you know, Jordan and Magic and Bird and Kobe, they all found a team that just fit them perfectly. And we talked about this a little before we started. LeBron has never really found that. Yeah. So this okay. I want to. I want to talk yes. about this. This is the thing Tell I brought your, up. So um, LeBron is an alien cyborg life form of some sorts who has. It was literally capable of doing anything on a basketball court. He can get into the lane at will. He's six eight. God knows how many pounds and is just a, a brute force i've seen him i've seen his ankle bend 90 degrees and he just gets up and starts running back down the floor he's it really a freak of no nature sense. yeah it doesn't make sense he's never had injuries he's just durable as hell he can shoot long range shots like he's not amazing at it but he can hit shots mm. he can play defense on one through five he is one of the most capable basketball players i've ever seen of, of doing anything on a basketball court and it's been something I've been thinking about for a while. And basically the question is, does the fact that LeBron is is capable of doing so many things almost like leave his teammates sometimes standing there like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like he almost takes away from his teammates. And it's not like a weakness so much as it is he just does so many things it leaves his teammates almost confused about what exactly their role is sometimes mm-hmm. and it's it's so weird and, and like you were saying lebron's never had a perfect team that compliments him mm-hmm. i think honestly this year is as close as we've gotten yeah three-point shooters surrounding lebron who will just drive and pitch that's really ideally i think that's what it comes down as close to, as you really. can get, mm-hmm. but with those, well, we never figured it out in Cleveland the first time. God knows how many, <laughs> how many horrible veteran contracts we went through. Whether it was Shaq, whether it was Mo or Antoine Jameson or Wally Zerbiak, the list goes on. But in Miami, there, do you remember, especially the first year, how much people were like? pointing out Wade and LeBron play the same way and they play hero ball so much yeah. and they don't compliment each other at all. That didn't just go away during the last three years. No. I mean, there was still that case. But the th- 
the thing about when they were together in Miami was him, Wade, and Bosch were like three best friends that sacrificed parts of their game, both willingly and, and at the whims of their coach, Eric Spolstra, who told them, you're doing this or you're not doing this, sacrificed part of their games because it was it was all about getting championships. And that's not the same case I feel like in Cleveland. LeBron's usage rate has been way up. In Miami, he was kind of, they described him as the queen on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. He was moving without the ball a ton. He'd take most of his shots in the paint, which is why he had that ridiculous field goal percentage at one point, I think it was in 2013, that was like 65% or something. It was stupid. It was, people were freaking out. They're just like, oh my God, this has never happened before. And that's not the case in Cleveland where, especially last year at the end of the playoffs when it was just him and no Irving or Love, he was asked to do everything on the court from handling the ball for like, 20 seconds out of the 24 seconds in a possession, play defense through one through five, rebound, assist. I mean, it was he's he does so much. Mm-hmm. And it, it again, we go coming back to does he just do so much that it it just takes away from the other players on the court? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, we talk about like. You know, like, Magic had such a good team with those Lakers teams because he pushed the break. Right. And he'd have James Worthy and Byron Scott to do it with him, and he had Kareem in the post. Mm-hmm. You know, Bird had the monsters download with Parrish and um, McHale. Jordan, you know, had Pippen with him, and they could surround with defense and shooters. And, mm-hmm. like, what is LeBron's perfect team? It. I don't even yeah. know. I mean, a lot of a lot of it tends to gravitate towards LeBron with shooters all around him. And I mean, that's what we have this year. And I feel like I I've heard some people say they really think that this is the most complimentary team to LeBron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it's a it, worthy question. It really is. And because, I don't think there's a perfect answer for it because again, we've never seen a player who's capable of doing all these things that he's done. It, right. Like one player, it, it's like you you created a player out of my player that's just capable of doing everything. You just like packed it into this one player. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a team sport. It's five players on a court and it, it yeah, if you if you have other players that are not capable of doing some of those things, but it's all packed into one player. I, I just, it really does. It makes you question just like how much can one player do? And it's still, cause I mean, we, we saw with Kobe too, how much can one player do? How much can one player carry the point load or the rebound load or the assist load? And LeBron's capable of doing all three of those all the time. Is LeBron like, like, I think we all can see Jordan's the greatest player ever. Would LeBron be the best to build around if you could find a perfect team for him because he can do so much? I think the... Th- because, you know, Jordan, Jordan is such... I think Jordan's the greatest ever, but Jordan was so heavy on scoring. Yeah. And, you know, and... Magic was, you know, more teamwork. He was kind of the walking triple-double. 
LeBron's kind of the revolutionary part of that, except he can shoot the three more consistently. He can rebound, he can guard one through five, and he's not a defensive liability like Magic was. Right. He's he's like a Jordan Magic hybrid a little bit. He's like something. Yeah, in the he's something in between that. And he's not either. He's LeBron. Yeah. So I'd say he's more like Magic than he is Jordan. Right. I'd agree too. Um What was the question again? Would so if if LeBron would LeBron on surrounded by his perfect mix of teammates whatever that is since we haven't found it would that be better than like jordan with his perfect perfect mix or magic or kareem or whatever it'd be historical it would be it would it would it would be up there but yeah that's a whole separate debate that i can't really say because we don't we we and we're never going to find out because lebron is past his prime yeah um which is unfortunate but Honestly, I think he's best when his, I don't want to say his role is reduced, but when he's asked to do a few specific things that he's very good at. Like, don't take outside shots. <laughs> yeah. Take shots down low. And honestly, when it, as he's drifting away from his prime, he's going to become more of a four than he is a three. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen his jumper this year. It's, <laughs> it's already just gone to crap. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like... Miami was as close as we got, even though it wasn't it. Yeah. Miami is as close as we got to to seeing the LeBron that you need to see if he's in his perfect situation. Yeah. This is the this is the team that compliments him the most, but the way he was playing in Miami, the way he's being used was as close as we got to seeing, I think, a perfected version of LeBron who's right. extremely efficient from a field goal shooting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um and and the way he was used on defense to guard one through five and with the switching and the double teaming schemes that Miami had off pick and rolls and stuff, I think that's as close as we're probably going to get because the, the one thing about LeBron is he, uh, despite what he may say, he has a very passive-aggressive nature, and if he doesn't <laughs> like if he's doing something... yeah. They'll figure it out eventually. In Miami, that that didn't fly. Spolster told him, you're doing this, and there's nothing you can do about it. And he really couldn't say or do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to LeBron, because he, oh, he's always drawn Jordan comparisons, and he always will, which is completely unfair to I him. don't think that's rightfully so at all. No, it's absolutely unfair. But I think part of the reason, especially now is that when LeBron has gone into just his cold-blooded killer mode that we've only seen two or three times, yeah, he has yeah. been so good in it. It's been amazing. It, it really is like something to behold. Yeah. Which, honestly, it might only be two times, which, would, which is there's, Detroit there's... Game 5, Boston Game 6. Yeah, I mean, those are the two most standout moments. And because the, 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 you, you knew you were watching history as it was happening, mm-hmm. and you just you couldn't even believe your eyes. Like, I, I just kind of sit here and think about those two games. Like, could anyone have stopped LeBron's tear on any of those two nights? Like, no. It was, like, I don't know if there's anything better than LeBron being able to do that. Yeah, but we didn't see it that often. Exactly, which is why the fact that we have seen it is why he draws so many 
comparisons to Jordan because Jordan was that killer so consistently. Yeah, I mean, that... And honestly, it's more of LeBron dipping into that Jordan-esque type role every once in a while. Yeah. But I think people initially, especially when they saw it the first time in Detroit, they're like, oh, this is the moment... That's what he's capable they, of. They're like, oh, this is the moment he becomes... He, he really grabs the <laughs> the baton from MJ. Yeah. But that's not the case. That's actually not his his play style. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I really agree. He draws the Jordan comparison way too much. That's, oh, absolutely. That's never been the type of style of play he's it's absolutely drifted unfair. towards, even though sometimes he's had those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rarely. And, again, it comes back to the fact that, like, if you if you take if you, if you unleash a if you take 1983 Jordan throw him in a time machine and put him as a rookie starting when LeBron started mm-hmm. you have no idea what that Jordan turns into he'd yeah. be a better three point shooter who like who knows well and it, yeah you it's the same way and people have been drawing this comparison if you take 2016 Curry and throw him in the 90s he'll get bashed around and stuff. Who knows if Jordan even makes it? He can't shoot threes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he could shoot threes, but he didn't shoot them well. It wasn't ever his strong suit. He's very suit. streaky now. He's very, he was very streaky from the three. There were two years when they moved the three-point line in during the mid-90s. He <laughs> shot really well, and then they moved it back again. That was his peak at, at three-point shots because it was more of a mid-range shot, actually, for him, mm-hmm. and realistically. So who knows how Jordan would turn out today? Yeah. In the same respects as who knows if, how Curry would turn out 20 years ago. Yeah. It's, yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing. You know, you have to be very careful comparing eras because they are so People do it recklessly nowadays. They really do. It's, it's all over the place. It's reckless. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll quit ragging on everyone, but, uh, that concludes it, Ben. Okay. Great impromptu podcast. Yeah, that was fun. I might add. So we'll do it again sometime. We'll wake up tomorrow and have another year under our belts not having a championship, but... (laughs) It'll be fun. That's all right. Hey, miracles happen. I'm glad we're at least in the finals. At least there's something to talk about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey. Cool. I mean, we, we could have a 04 Red Sox act of God moment somewhere. Along the way. Mm. I doubt it, but you never know. God doesn't like us. We can hold out hope. God we hates can hold us. out hope somewhere. We'll Anyways, uh, thank you for all, all of you who listened. We'll try to do more podcasts, but they probably will be infrequent, at least for the time being yeah um, and at least until benny here gets married in july and then they might pick up a little more but, fun stuff but yeah stay tuned <laughs> try to have more content on when we can but until next time i don't know uh go calves hopefully yeah. come back <laughs> no. bye guys bye